You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. It's week five, or episode five, of the final curtain call, but it's actually the second half of my interview with Andy Price and Neville Kidia from The Pinkies. So let's get straight on with it, and we'll carry on from where we left last week. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy it. Tell me about Burglar Bill. What do you know about Burglar Bill? Nothing, to be honest. You don't know anything no, about No, I don't know. Bill. Well, I do oh, now I do after listening to your, sure. your podcast, but yeah. I remember... Because people, they keep coming up. I remember, yeah, I, I remember time, in yeah. the Flying Childers, they had bands every night of the week. Yes. Near enough every night. And strippers on a Friday. And I must yeah, admit, I did actually go down that and watch the yeah. sometimes. Weird, yeah. isn't it? I know, but that is a bit bizarre. Yeah, midday yeah. on a Friday. If you look back on it now, that is a bit crazy. Yeah, a different world. Especially yeah. at lunchtime. Yeah, I know. And I saw Burglar Bill and he completely blew me away. Because mm. I'd never seen a band that good in a pub. Mm. Yeah. Because, I mean, the first song they did was um, Steely Dan. I mean... You know, that's true. You know, you that's not easy to stuff to play, to play, Steely yeah. Dad, and to play it really well. Yeah. You know, and and but that, I mean, Ian, it was Ian Pierce when it on guitar. I think he's I really good so. guitarist. But I just I I mentioned him the other week on Facebook. Does anyone anyone remember the band Burglar Bill? Because I wanted to find out about this band, and yeah. you told us. Me about too. The band yeah. That. I I just I don't certainly know remember Hedgehog from your Hedgehog. podcast. I saw them yeah. a lot, and they were really good. Then. Yeah. They may even still be playing. They Panic, are. They um, still are. Gary's still doing it. Gary's still doing it. Yeah. Is he the vocalist? Yeah, um, I think it's the same band, near yeah. enough. Yeah, they've been together for ages. So they've yeah. been doing that for years. And um, I know. I mean, one of the first bands I saw live was Panic, Glenn Sissons. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sort of... Those I remember sort the Bottles really well. Yeah, the Bottles. From Glum, the lead Glum. singer. They were them? fantastic. I saw them at the Queen's. Okay. They used was to it do, the Queens um, or the Grand? No, I think it was the Grand. They used to cover a lot of numbers by the Coasters. Yeah, they, they used had to, a yeah. real sense of humour, didn't they? But they yeah. were brilliant musicians as well. Glam, Glam used to wear this white suit, you know, like um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, <laughs> and yeah. he was a fantastic front man. Yeah. Like, Not quite really. glorious, but real character. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. Character. I thought was a. I couldn't take my eyes off him. They were great. They're one of my favourites. How important is a is a good front man? Because the Pinkies kind of had Paul and you. I, I always see it as like a joint thing. You both yeah, yeah. It was a little bit, kind of a little bit like what Crowded House became later on. Is in magic got sort of two a little vocals. bit squeezish as well with the two. I thought yeah, it was a very front, yeah. yeah. I mean, listening to it as I've said on the podcast, the obvious influences are there. Yeah, yeah. And I always felt it was somewhere between the Beatles and Squeeze. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of if those if take band that. got together. I'll, I'll suffer there. Yeah, I'll, I'll suffer that one. Which which is you know, a compliment in itself if you're yeah. a huge Beatles fan. Isn't it? Yeah. And I always felt that you could take Glenn Tilbrook out of Squeeze and take Neil Finn out of Crowded House and swap them over one night. And I don't think anybody would know. Oh. Very similar, very similar yeah. vocals. Um, as you said, Paul um, just sang like that. It wasn't. Yeah, Paul sang that, and my voice is totally different. So it's a it's a good, you know, because you know people don't want to listen to me singing all the time. People might not want to listen to Paul singing all the time. Yeah, so the if they saw us on a night, you get, you know, it's split. Did you sing your own? Compositions, or did you often? Sing? I never, I never sung. I think there's fourteen. Yeah, did you tracks. write together? I don't ever figure. No, never. No. No. With yeah. the Pinkies, I just, I told you, I was like a machine. I'd get up and I'd write. I mean, there's one song on there. I'll be there. Yeah. I got so up I one day. Remind me to ask you about yeah. that. Yeah. All right. I love yeah. that song. I'll leave it there. No, 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 it's a song. Right. I'll be there. Well, I wrote this song. I woke up one day thinking, I'm so fed up. With the press comparing this to the Beatles, yeah. you told us. Yeah, yeah, you said. I'm sick of this. Yeah, thing. I'm really sick of being compared mm. to the Beatles. This is before Oasis. So then course. I just thought I'm going to write a, a Beatles song. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did. So. And I wrote. I, I swear to God, I wrote that song in about eight minutes. It's even got the double tracked vocal on it. As yeah, it, as it. It's even got the Beatle chord at the yeah, end, I which is a. It, yeah. it was a more. It that. wasn't a spoof. It was an homage. Yeah, for sure. It, and it funnily enough, we did that, that record was played on the round table on Radio 1 with Mike Reed. So it's Mike Reed's round table. He used to do it on a Friday. And they'd review the records for the week. And they'd have two guest reviewers. The two guest reviewers were Phil Collins. Didn't you listen to it? Well, don't you couldn't, we couldn't what, record it. Two, the two guest about. reviewers, well, I can tell you that, yeah. was Phil Collins, who was used to mm. sing with a group called... Genesis. Thank you. And um, uh, the girl who did Devil Gate Drive. Oh, Susie, Susie Quattro. Quattro. Susie Quattro, yeah. So they were two reviewers. So they played our single, and I was glued to it. I think um, Keith Bonser, our manager, had rung me up, or rung us around and said, oh, it's on the um, 
review show. Anyway, they all they all loved it unreservedly. Yeah. And um, and uh, Phil name. said, yeah, I I hear you know there's Beatle influence. He said, but that's not a bad thing. For me, yeah. it was. But bizarrely, six months later, he released a single called um, "I'll Be There," with the same title, um, and it's just slightly Beatley. It's, really? I mean, he must have been working on it already, obviously. Yeah. On that note. I've always loved that. I've, I've always thought it was so obviously a nod to the Beatles. Yeah, and that's it's a nod. Right. Yeah. But I had no idea that it, it came from... It's a bit like people... You read about John Lennon when he wrote I'm the Walrus. It was because they were doing some sort of yeah. um, college or university that's right. degree in what the Beatles were trying to say or something about... You're right. About that's exactly what it organizing was. Organising He was reacting to it. And, and thinking, he just said, right, well, in that case, if you think if you think that, have a listen to that. Analyse so this. Yeah. That's yeah. you saying, if you think we're the Beatles, then yeah. here's, a, here's a full, proper, <clears> bouncing, <throat> double-tracked vocal... Yeah. Uh, which I, for me, I think it's, a, it's the best song. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll let you know the secret. I have sat and I've done a cover of that in here on my own. I can't wait to hear. I'll be not, there. But it's not on. Yeah, but it's not on. I've never put it on oh, YouTube. Really. I'd love but to play that live again. When I filmed the um, double six thing, because mm. I'm hoping to go and, and sing a song on the site of that. I love that idea part. that you're going to do that. Um, I might just do a bit of that. If that's all right with you. Yes, please. absolutely. Um, because I've, I've got a song that I've written for it, but. I'm thinking... You have to sing I'll Be Here, though. I'll Be There. Yeah, I'll Be Here, yeah. I was there. I've always loved it because it was so obviously the Beatles. Yeah, but it was written like that. No, exactly. Obviously, like, you know, have that. You know, I mean, every review was saying, oh, it's it's like Beatles, 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 Beatles. Every TV show was... I don't think the whole album is like the Beatles. No, no, it's not. So then I just thought, I'm going to get up and I'm going to write a Beatles song and I'm going to write a song just like the Beatles in their style. Where would Jeff Lynne be? Yeah, without the Beatles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's you made know. a very good career. I mean, I'm it. feeling lonely. Isn't really anything like the Beatles as, no. as an no. example. Is that no. is that you or Paul? That's Paul. That's, That's Paul. Paul. Yeah. Paul sung his songs. Yeah, I, I've never sung one of Paul's songs because he wrote them obviously for his voice, and I can't do yeah. his voice. Yeah, yeah. And I wrote sort of songs for my voice, but Paul could sing them better than what I could. <clears> you know, so is you have that to know. Yeah, you, you yeah I think so. Then, yeah. No, I just write a song and say, right, I'm going to sing this one. Uh, you know, that 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 one will suit me. Paul, what do you think of this? Bomb. Yeah, right, let's try it out with the band. Bomb, bomb, I think bomb. the musical glue was Max's guitar playing as well. Yeah. Because he would, you know, he was so good at picking very out a good. riff yeah, and licks yeah. in a way that it's quite hard to do. Very, you know? Yeah, very solid. Very innovative. Um, and yeah. I was going to say almost... Almost Wilco Johnson, and as much as so yeah. percussive, yeah, yeah, very so, percussive. You know, I mean, Wilco's yeah. a bit more scratchy, and uh, yeah. I'm sure you know Wilco. I think Max is a bit more melodic. Bit well, more I've, melodic, I've, I've never has, met him. Yeah, no, but uh, you know of him and yes, yes. what he does, and it's like a percussive electric guitar sure. that kind of sits there. I, I, I mean, as I say, I, I don't know, but um, I was going to th- ask you something. There so, what is your favourite song on the album? My favourite song on the album is actually um, "You Don't Love Her Anymore," which I think is nice. is absolutely superb because you don't mm-hmm. expect it. See, when you, when you pick up, sorry about the squeaky chair, but when you pick up the album and you start looking through, Danger Games drives along. Um, I'll Be There is a nod to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I love Say What You're Thinking as well because I yeah, think I the chorus of that is a real, yeah. like, that's guttural. That's coming it's, from right in the, in yeah, the, in that's the Paul, shoes. That's, one of that's, Paul. that's some angst in that song. Thinking of Her was one of yours, Andy. Uh, you Don't Love Her Anymore. Yeah, I just think Girl in a Million is great as well yeah. because it bounces along. I mean, it, it Holding Me Tight, um, which, which is the song you played on Pebble Mill, isn't it, Holding Me mm. Tight? Yeah, I, I've we have an issue with that, don't we? Yeah, that yeah, I've always. That's the only one. There's the only song issue? on the album that we have a slight issue with. Well, I, I have two issues on on the album, okay. which unfortunately couldn't couldn't be changed. Okay. Um, the first one is thinking of her. Yeah. I'm eating her on Monday night. That that yeah, one. Yeah. Like that really high bit. The high bit. I didn't really want to do that, but I was persuaded in the studio to do it. Okay. And I've always hated that song ever since. Which is strange. But, but you don't I, hear it like everybody else hears of course, it. No, so. exactly. You know, and also holding me tight, I didn't like the um, you know, the big vocal thing. It got arranged wrong, didn't it? it, it we, yeah. we were, we, it's completely different to how we played it live. Yes, I've, that's probably the reason. Because okay. I always kind of thought, lost its impact, didn't it? No, I always thought holding me tight was one of, was the best song yeah, on the I album. Yeah, I thought it was a great, yeah. Good you know, song. And like live, it was fantastic. It was so much, it. yeah, so much. Yeah, I used to look forward to playing that every night. It's that constant... I think yeah, we just started just, with the drums. Yeah. Kind of Dave Clark five style. It is, yeah. Yeah, banging out the drums. Glad all, all over, yeah, sort of. Yeah, then we'd all come in. But on the album, yeah. we got 
rearranged a bit. It got rearranged, and I think it yeah. sort of got took a little the wind bit, out of itself. Yeah, took the excitement. So the live version that you play is probably the definitive Different, version. Yeah. It's got a lot more energy to it. Yeah, because that's what struck me. You sent me the, the video earlier, anyway, the Pebble Mill yeah. one, but I'd seen it anyway. But I remember thinking that it had so much of a bounce to it. And what we said to about earlier is sometimes on, on an album you don't quite get Hard to capture, what yeah. you're trying yeah. to get yeah. Always trying to capture that. Um, and obviously you played the album live and then overdubbed a double track vocal and maybe a bit... Was the piano overdubbed? Yeah, um, the piano... No, the piano was done at the time. That, piano, that, that was Keith. Keith, yeah, was Keith. Keith Bonza, yeah. who was our manager. Yeah. I didn't even know he could play. I didn't know... I, I thought he was, he was a DJ. Yeah. He's quite a good well, there's player. There's a nod to the Beatles. If you've got somebody just, uh, you know, is there yeah, play that's George it. Martin? Obviously, the George a Martin figure. Played a bit on that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that George Martin's piano on rock and roll music as well? Just sits there. Is that him? Bag. That's him, yeah. Look at Chris. Yeah, I never what? figured that, yeah. You just go, wow. You think of him as a there's classical a book. Yeah, I'm, sure you've, I'm sure you've read it, but there's a book. If you haven't read it, Andy, you need to read it. It's the, the complete Abbey Road sessions. Okay. And it takes you through every single take and everything they did. And it takes you through like uh, the three takes of this, four takes of this, double track vocal on, and now they're bouncing stuff down. Yeah. How many tracks did you have when you recorded that album? Because now... 24 tracks. 24 tracks, so plenty yeah. of room to... Yeah, but it's plenty of room. I mean, but we we didn't have a lot of time, you know, because yeah. obviously like the finances at the time... Yeah, studio time yeah, un Unlike with Warner Brothers, we had the backing of Warner Brothers. Yeah. You know, so we could go in and, and you know, like, do, do other little bits on the album after we signed them, but with the Pinkies, you know, we didn't have that. We didn't it was have on a, a bit huge, of a shoestring, wasn't it? Yeah, we didn't have a huge budget, so time was the essence. Yeah, but it's just as well that we were tight because most of those have recorded almost live, and a few overdubs with the mm. vocals. Mm. And yeah, well, it doesn't and, sound rushed. It doesn't sound like a rushed album, does it? it you know, no. because you were playing the song so well. Exactly. They so although played it's, in, yeah. you know, it's about runs at about thirty-seven minutes, I think. But you've probably got 37 months worth of, you know, 370 yeah. hours of playing the yeah, song, developing it. And all the hard work is done before you even set foot in the studio. Yeah. I've got to ask you, how does it feel? Uh, I, I only know myself from on a very, very small level to you, compared to yourselves. How does it feel when you make an album and then you finish it and then it comes out and instantly those songs become almost cover versions? Like if you tour... There, you didn't see each other yeah. for maybe a couple of years. That becomes something you listen to to re rework your bits or rework your parts. I don't know whether it's whether it's the same or whether you just you were living in each other's pockets so much that that didn't happen. But if you if you were to say somebody come up to you now and you're playing in the Beat Patrol and say, "Can you play something by the Pinkies?" I don't know if you do. No, we don't. Would you? you know, say, would you listen to that album to relearn your parts, or would you go? Yeah, from, no, I'd have to. Yeah, I wouldn't remember how to play any of those songs. Yeah. I would actually. Yeah. I think that's a diff because I'm I'm basically as I said a sideman. Yeah. You know, a backing musician, which I'm quite happy with. Um, yeah. I, once I've played a part, I know it and I can mm. recall it years and years later in it's a way that I can't recall anything else. <laughs> yeah. No, but see, this is what you're like saying. Muscle memory. No, but yeah, like no, but what you're saying is really true. And with me, I mean, you know, I think I started. I would never have even picked up a guitar if it hadn't have been for John Lennon. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's as simple as that. Mm. Ten years old, I saw the Beatles, I saw John Lennon there like that, and I thought, I want to be him. Yeah. And my whole life has been like that. Even now, at my age, I still love, love playing in bands. Mm. I love it. Yeah. If you said to me, Andy, for the next five years, go out and do gigs and not get a penny for it, I'd, I'd do still it. Still do it. I would do it. Don't yeah. tell the clubs this. Don't, yeah, can you no. cut that bit out, please? Yeah, can we cut that bit out? <laughs> <laughs> because I know, it's, I know what Margaret's doing. There, there is nothing that matches that feeling. No, yeah. there isn't. No. I don't think anyone. No. No, and I, mean, I think we are really lucky people that we've all done that. Yeah. You know, we've all had that buzz. Yeah. That buzz. Yeah. That, you know, that there is nothing like it when you have a really good night. Mm. You know, there, there is no feeling like that. And you still get the get a home cup of tea, still buzzing from it. Yeah, oh. can't go to sleep. Watch your load of rubbish yeah, on TV until you go to bed. Yeah. Get a good audience, get a good crowd. Yeah, adrenaline get again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's just and it's in the moment. Live yeah. music's yeah. in the moment. Whereas once you record it, it's there forever as a. Exactly. You know, that's, that's, I think that's why Bob Dylan never plays anything the same way twice. I know? mean, if you if you had a chance to go back in and, and mm. remake the album now, let's let's say you know in, in this parallel universe, everybody's still with us and everybody's still available. Would you change anything yeah. other than holding me tight? What, yeah, what do you I would think change, change. Thinking of her, holding me tight, and I, I had other songs which I think possibly would have been better on the album. 
So you had, I mean, you probably had a massive back catalogue. Well, I, I, did, I didn't have a, ma a massive back catalogue because, I mean, you know, I, I wrote I wrote the songs for the Pinkies. I, I, I thought, I, you know, after after Glider, I didn't do anything musically. I, I sort of, um, I became a DJ for a while. I'd done loads, I'd done some, you know, lo loads of, oh God, I must have done about 85 weddings in my life. As a DJ, that's, that's a me. lot of it's more than you know, <laughs> but that's that's a lot of weddings to do, yeah. you know. But that even that that that's a good education for music because you get to understand how people listen to music and what they want and what they like and what They're gets active, them excited, yeah. you know. And then with the Pinkies, I just wrote songs purely for the Pinkies with the Pinkies in mind. But I, I if I had my way, I would have a couple of different songs on there. Okay. Do you, you said to me off, off of, I was like off camera, but that you don't write anymore. Um, I wrote a song about a year ago. But, it wasn't um, that lockdown, was it? Because everyone's done that. I think it was, yeah, but I hadn't You've done it. Keep for, it relevant, yeah, but I hadn't you? written a song for like 30 years. So that, that was a little bit <laughs> oh, different right, for me. Because, I don't know, I think after the Pinkies, I just sort of, I don't know, we, we were so close, you know, to really being really successful breaking it again yeah. and, and I think I was so gutted that we didn't I yeah. think I just sort of lost interest in the music I completely always, lost interest it's hard to regroup and get to that position yeah, again yeah, sure. so then I, that, 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 you know then I started going out doing discos I'd done that for a lot of years and then I got fed up doing discos then I started going out I, I, got, I, I got the bug again to sing and I mean I was in my mid 50s and I just used to go out and Use backing tracks. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you no, know, that's like, what I do, mate. Yeah, pays the bills. Like, yeah. well, yeah, just just to pay pays the mortgage. Because really. that's the thing as well. They changed all of the licensing laws probably about mm. ninety four, ninety five, and you had used to have have to have an extra or pay the extra to have a live band, and then yeah, they stopped right. paying that, and they could have a duo as part of the normal. That's it. You could only yeah. have a so the only way for me to earn a bloody yeah. living was to go out with backing yes. tracks and stand in the corner of a pub. Yeah, yeah. And then the fashion turned to tribute bands, mm -hmm. yeah. which I've got a particular... I, I just can't stand tribute bands. I, it, for me, it just does nothing at all. I'd rather see the real act than the yeah, tribute I'd get, band. Yeah, I get that. I'm right old-fashioned bloke, really. Oh, mate, you know, that. but I, I, get I, that. I, I just don't get it. I just don't get the tribute act thing. just don't get it. But a lot of clubs and pubs started having just tribute acts. Yeah. And people love it, so you know, as long as you're having a good time. There are there are some I don't get. There are yeah. some I don't understand. You know, I mean, I can understand the tribute to the Jam because you're not going to see them. I can understand some of the Beatles tributes, but you sort of think, okay, there's, there, maybe there's a market for it. But I, I mean, I, I do do the tribute and I, I do the the Oasis tribute. But I, if I'm honest with you, I don't really take it that seriously. It's a, it's an opportunity for me to play yeah. the Cavern, yeah. an opportunity for me to do Butlins, which otherwise I wouldn't have had. Absolutely. So for me, it's like, would you want to play the Cavern and wear a wig and sunglasses, or do you want to play the dog and duck as yourself in the corner? And you think, well, I take a couple of thousand people at Absolutely. Butlins. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my accountant's happier oh, yeah. with that, but it's not. No, it has its place in entertainment. You know, it does, yeah. yeah. Like how, any how, genre. How good a Beatles tribute would you have been? Because I think you would have... I think me and Paul would have smashed I it. I think you would have smashed it. Well, in yeah. fact, Paul Eggham, the singer we're talking about, yes. our late singer, God rest his soul, mm -hmm. 2017, we lost him, didn't we? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and Paul Reynolds, our drummer from the Pinkies, yeah. who couldn't be here today because he's um, up in London, isn't he? But yeah. Hopefully we'll sit, meet him one day. I'd love to. Um, they had a Beatles tribute band. Yeah, they did. With Mark, the Pinkles, with Mark Cunningham. With Mark Cunningham. Do you know Mark? I know of the name of the He's a rock Mark. writer from Southend, isn't he? And he yeah, was he's also, a local guy. He worked for um, Worldwide Sound Company, didn't he? Doing yeah. live sound for Beyonce and people all over the world. And Actually, me and... Yeah, the three of them, and they, the three-piece, and they did a fantastic Beatles tribute. I can't remember the name now. Did that for quite a few years. Okay. Yeah. Weren't the Rattles, was it? I think it was the rattles, yeah. The rattles. The rattles. Did I remember something there? You did. Well done. Blimey! Must be the drink. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. You said to me, Andy, you don't jam. I'm, no, I'm I, don't, I never have done. I never you always have done. to know. You always want to know your parts. You always want to yeah. make, make sure you know what you're doing. It's just it doesn't interest me jamming. It never has. I mean, I think it, you're principally a songwriter, aren't you? That's yeah, that's thing. what it is. I, you know, I wouldn't even call myself a musician. I would call myself a songwriter, and I've always done that. Ever since I was a kid, you know, I mean, every band I've ever played yeah. in, I've always been the weakest member of, 
of the band in playing. As a musician, yeah. But I mean, I played with some pretty good people. Yeah, well, that's you yeah. know. Well, you're sitting next it's easier to hide yeah. when you've got people like yeah, Neville. Exactly. You know? So lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Don't leave me hanging. I, I, I think I think in my life I've played with probably the th- the four best bass players of yeah. all time. You, Dave Bronze, Martin Stringer. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, I only learnt the bass guitar because Three, Dave Bronze four, left Glider. Yeah. And I I was playing um, bongos and dancing at the time. That's he my was, main job. And but being very eye candy. Job, he's, yeah. he's a bit of eye candy. I was eye yeah, candy. I yeah. played the bongos, the mandolin. Didn't really do much. No, I? he was good. He's good mandolin player, Neville. Really uh, good. Yeah, and um, so I wasn't really doing a lot. So Dave Bronze left, didn't he? Yeah. Because we had musical differences. Basically, he was a musician, and we weren't. Yeah. So he left. <laughs> yeah. And we we tried That's out the best way. <laughs> Thank you. We tried out. We tried out two different bass players, didn't we? Yeah. And, um, but what it was, they could all play, but we couldn't live with them in the van. They didn't pass the van test. Right. No. If yeah. you do like a a gig, you get out at two o'clock in the morning somewhere in. Swindon or Sunderland, you've got to drive home for 10 hours. Yes. If by the end of that trip you want to strangle the person in the van, they're not going to fit. Yeah. So in the end, after six months of trying them, everyone said, "Uh, Neville, you don't really do much, do you? Why don't you learn the bass? Mm. So I went, uh, it took me a fortnight. (laughs) I could play guitar. I could play guitar in my defence. And I basically learned all Dave Bronze's bass lines. So what a great way to learn the bass. Yeah. Yeah, He's a great player, Dave. He's still a hero of mine now. Yeah, great. Today. Yeah, he was at Hyde Park with Clapton in 96. That's when yeah. I saw him. Well, he's currently he? Tom Jones's bass player oh, all over the world. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. he's, he's done well, Dave. He's yeah, a great uh, player. Good, Always good player. gets the best sound. And uh, oh, plays with the Boomers as well, doesn't he? Local band. Fantastic. Um, well, no, they're, no, they've changed their name now. They're called The Management. DA. No, different band. The Boomers are still going. But anyway. Are they? Yeah, different band. With That's two Bob Monday out of um, Granny Grunt, who you mentioned. Granny Grunt mentioned Bob Granny Monday. Grunt, yeah. Bob Monday's still going strong in two bands. There's so many bands coming up that, that have been the business, Johnny Hazel Time, all those oh, yeah. people. I love Johnny um, Hazel. Larry, um, you've got the Buckley Brothers, Larry, Allen. Yeah, Larry the drummer. Colin, yeah, I use, I've Colin. used Larry for drums. Yeah, I Larry. had a band. We had a band. Yeah. I was in it. Yeah, I forgot mean? about that band. We was, <laughs> I think you might I have for, sacked me or I left. I forgot. <laughs> after, after the Pinkies, I, I sort of tried to battle for about a year. You said, go away and learn Band of Gold by Frida Payne. Why you want to sing it? I don't know. Because I like that song. I know. Right, so yeah. I come back the next week, having learned it, I sweated cobs over that. And uh, I came back and I played the perfectly. Larry Buckley on the drums, played it perfectly, note for note. You said, that's not how it goes. And I think that's when I left again. But it wasn't how it goes. Well, if it hasn't there, it goes. I think you'll find it yourself. What can you What can you do about that? <laughs> Learn it properly. <laughs> so your songwriting process, just taking you back to that, uh, yeah. obviously gliding your bouncing ideas um, along with Kevin. Yeah. When you're writing yourself, is it lyrics first? Is it tune first? Is tune it first, every time. Tune first, every time. Yeah. Lyrics, to me, have never been <clears throat> as important as a tune. I know that's a crazy thing to say. No, no, not at but all. But for me, the tune is always a thing that people remember, not that's, the lyrics. Yeah, it's the hook. Yeah. The hook is usually the tune, and then yeah, yeah I can understand that. Um, yeah, ov- obviously when you're writing that, are you ever tempted to write anything? Do you know? You know? Did you know that you never think about writing songs? I know you said you were going to write for Shaking Stevens. Nobody else ever asked you to do anything. You well, know, no, Shaking Stevens scene. didn't ask me no, to do I, it. I, I just, I just think you know that song would be good for him. And you were well, signing, and, and, and I've actually stuck that song on that stick for you. Have you? Yeah, oh, that, that 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 was recorded uh, on that stick. I've got the Pinkies remixed album that's brilliant. on digital. Um, I've got two songs that I did after the Pinkies on my own. Um, I've done them in the studio. I used um, like some really top local guys: Tomo on drums, Jerry Stevenson guitar. Right. Do you know Jerry? I know Stevenson. Jerry. I don't know him. To Ian talk to Gibbons, him. right? Who sadly he's, he's gone now. So. They're all going, mate. Yes, I know. And I've done uh, Ruby Turner's on there as well, doing the backing vocals on oh, one of the okay. songs. So which you, is quite good. Yeah, so you, you, you sort of kept busy for a while, but yeah, yeah as I you said, when, when you when you tasted it, yeah, you you know how hard it is to get back there. Yeah, yeah, and then also you know, I mean, you you got to think older, like that. They, they were, it wasn't so much that. It's just I felt like the whole music industry changed mm. and sort of left me out of it a little bit because I mean, you had Depeche Mode, who got huge yeah that, and that that's after us yes you know they got absolutely huge with music which is not my sort of music no 
you know, I'm, I mean, it's got you know, its place, but yeah, yeah, it's got its place because yeah. obviously they do stadium tours and things yeah, like that. So there's millions of people that love them, but it's not my sort of thing, that mm. sort of music. So, what way did it change? In as much as you started to have Stock Aiken and Walkman, and you started to have more yeah. dance music, and it became yeah. more formulaic, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't about the, and then, the pubs anymore. And then like, the dreaded, the dreaded karaoke come out where everyone in the world thinks that they could sing. You know, maybe they could sing one song in karaoke. Did you know Danger Games is available on karaoke? Yeah. You do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I came across... I could finish with that. When do I was trying to type you in to see if you were on Spotify a little while ago, it came up yeah. and I thought... Because that song appears on about three or four compilations. Yeah, it does, yeah. 80s um, compilations. 80s compilations and uh, something like Forgotten Hits or something mm, yeah. like that. Yeah, One It Wonders and all well, that. Well, I think yeah. you're a bit more than One It Wonders, but... I'll but, take that. But it's we'll better than that. a no-hit wonder. Well, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. Let's have a look at this. Uh, so the album came out, um, was it uh, 1981 or 82? The album 82, came out. 82. 82, I think. Um, and it was recorded and mixed Southern Studios London in the old Smithy Worcester. Now, uh, you, you said to me a little while ago, um, eight songs were recorded at Southern Studios and six at the old Smithy in Worcester. Yeah. And you said to me that Jay, who's remixing it, has only been able to use the master tapes from one of those studios. Yeah, from one of those studios. Yeah. Um, from the, the, um, the one with the eight tracks. Okay. But he said that he doesn't want to change it too much because you lose that feeling of, yeah. of the band. So basically, they've all been converted to digital. Okay. That, is, that process, in fact, destroys the original master tape. Yeah. Which is unusual. I didn't know that. Yeah, one pass at it. Yeah. Yeah. So you get one go at doing it, and Mm. and he's done it, and he's he spent a bit of time on it. He's a really busy guy. Yeah. You know, he works with a lot of top people. Works with Dua Lipa. Yeah. Michael Bublé. Bublé, yeah. Ed Sheeran. He did his apprenticeship at um, Abbey Road, of course, didn't he? As a teenager. That's not a bad place to learn. That's where he learned his trade. Did you ever record anything at Abbey Road, or ever visit it, or anything like that? Just, just. No, we we done Air Studios, didn't we? We did our studios, yeah, Richard yeah, George Martin's studio in the Oxford Circus. Oh, Funny enough, I got in the lift and he was in the lift. We recorded Glider there, that was pre-Pinkies, we recorded yeah. the single, um, which I remember in a minute. But in the next, we were in a studio too, in this studio one, which is a big studio, and it's all overlooking Oxford Circus, you've got floor-to-ceiling glass windows, Fabulous. you're looking over the whole um, London scene. But in the main studio was um, Gallagher and Lyle recording Breakaway album. Oh, yeah. And we we were in there for three days, and they were sitting there surrounded by harmonicas and um, accordions and mandolins and bagpipes, all I remember. Yeah, and we'd give them a cheery wave through the window. <laughs> you said he'd added a snare. Um, we, we were chatting again. Just yeah, so on, um, the, the, the big ballad on there is Maybe I'm a Fool. Yep. And it, well, I think Neville will explain it better, really, with the rim shots. Yeah, so that. when it was recorded, yep. um, it's... Uh, as the drummers now will know it, the, the rim shot on the snare drum just gives a click, like a okay. all the way through. And he didn't have... Uh, so when it went to the chorus, um, for some reason it was decided just to keep the rim shots on. But when Jay heard it, um, with all his experience now, and his experience of dynamics, he added... The only thing he's really added is that snare drum in the chorus. And yeah. it's amazing that one little change yeah, it really lifted it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So he's made minor changes, but really tasteful ones. I mean, I obviously this is this is my little studio, my little man cave. But even in here, um, you're able to take a take a snare drum or take a snare track and then transfer it, and make it something else, or make a cool sure. track. And they did that oh, with the Beatles, didn't they? The, yeah, I mean, the live yeah. one and taking everything apart again and putting. I mean, it they can do track. anything there. You yeah, know? I mean, you know, years. You know, when 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 we started recording, we thought it was like. You know the top technology in the world, but now that's just some of that stuff is la- is laughable compared yeah. to what they can do now, isn't it? Yeah, it was you literally know, yeah. editing was razor blade and tape, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like stop the tape, slice it, it, tape it, tape it up. If yeah. it weren't right, just go back and have a little yeah. bit, cut it, and you know it's it's so different. Do you think? I mean, it- do you think with today's technology that the album would have sounded completely different? Are you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so you're absolutely. somebody who who the attention to detail anyway. Yeah. So if you had more options, but that's why it probably sounds like it sounds because you didn't have that, you know, yeah. unlimited yeah. tracks. You know, yeah, you know? you, it was exactly. a, you had a finite amount of time, finite amount of money, and when the when the session was finished, that was the finished product. You couldn't you couldn't think say it. like, yeah, I'm going to go back and 
change that because yeah. we weren't in that sort of that. financial situation to do that. No, of course not. The money you've got coming in, I imagine, is yeah. probably from the gigs you're playing and from... Yeah. Um, Out of your own pocket. Uh, this is probably before well, sort of T-shirts uh, and merchandise sure. and all sorts of well, stuff like that. I, I think Keith, Keith Bonzo, who was our manager, I think he paid for the recording. We still owe him 50 quid. Come <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it out. He might come looking for you. So. I see Keith on a regular basis. He runs a, a video recording company now out of um, somewhere near Great Baddo. Okay. And I bump into him around the Chelmsford scene, videoing things, uh, shows mainly at the uh, big theatre there. Uh, so, theater, yeah. leaving Glider and the Pinkies there, just to, just to ask you one more question mm -hmm. about it. Glider first, proudest moment in Glider. Um, I think I well something which I found out afterwards. Go on, but I'll let you tell. I wonder if you were going to say about the orchestra, but no. When, when we were recording in IBC Studios, that was fantastic. Just the actual thought that the Who had recorded there. I mean, this was a big time studio. It was like three stories high, so you stand in the room, and you had to go up like two flights of chair stairs to get to the um, control room. Right. And uh, when we'd finished our recording. Um, they brought in a 40-piece orchestra, which still didn't fill the studio. Wow. And so it was really big time, you know. And that was it was huge and exciting for a 19-year-old lad from Dagenham, you know, who joined up with this um, other lad who'd written these great songs. And, uh, yeah, I, I realised how lucky we were, yeah, mm. totally. That was for me, the recording of it, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a fact. For me, there's two things I really remember about Glider. The first one was going in bit to be signed by Warner Brothers, you know, it's yeah. like Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. It's it's a proper for me, yeah, you yeah. know, when you grow up with watching Warner Brothers cartoons and yeah. you know they're a huge film company and yeah. just multimedia and to be signed to that when I was nineteen was it just blew me away. And then to be able to go up to Warner Brothers and to sit in a room with Derek Taylor and he would tell me these stories about the Beatles for me, that was something Living I will history. never, ever forget, yeah. ever. And, and what you achieved and what you did can't be taken away from you. That's no, no. You know, as I said a few weeks ago on the on the podcast, I said, I, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting Andy. Obviously, I didn't know never was going to come. Um, but the same applies for you, which Thank is, you. You're st although you're still, and we'll come to the Beat Patrol in a minute and the things you've done recently, but you're still the blokes that did that. Even though now you've, yeah. you know, it's a different time and, and uh, you're more accessible. And, and then these days of Facebook, I can message you. We Hopefully we'll have a beer again. I'd love to sure. meet you again. Um, but you're still the guys that did that. You're still the blokes that were in Basildon Town Centre that time when this yeah. eight-year-old kid came to see you. And, didn't yeah. know and some of that's on YouTube. That's a lovely it is, yeah. and I, I, It's true, yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah, from the back of a van or the back of a truck or something. Oh, yeah. What, what, the escal how did that come about? That's what I meant to That was just you. before I joined. I can't believe I missed this. Yeah, yeah I know Bob Hector it. was on place for that. That, that, yeah, that, that, that was um, Radio Basildon. Oh, Mickey Spectrum. Was it Mickey Spectrum? No, uh, Mike Barlow. Mike Barlow. Mike Barlow. Um, lovely guy, Mike Barlow. I mean, I think it... I met my wife, Leslie, only because she knew Mike Barlow. Otherwise, we wouldn't have met, I think. Okay. And... Um, but he, he used to do um, Radio Bazardon and it used to be on the old channel on the wall in Bazardon. Yeah, yeah, on the, I, on the did, ABC. Did you have that here? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, my mum said to me the other week, whatever happened to that box on the wall that, <laughs> that used to turn the things yeah. around? She said, whatever happened to that? I said, you still got it. <laughs> it's still on the wall from like 40 years ago. Ready yeah. Fusion or something. Radio Ready Fusion, was, yeah. 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 And, um, and that... that I'm sure, I'm sure it was something to do with them. And we were asked to play in the town centre and we just said, yeah, you know. Because yeah, why, yeah, why, why wouldn't you want to play in the busiest place in Basildon yeah. to all the people? It's nice know? to see the to see the video on there. I don't know if the whole yeah. concert's available or if... if I don't know. Yeah, I've seen clips of it. Two or three tracks on there. Yeah, to see the probably Keith has got it because Keith probably videoed it. Yeah, he's quite a good archivist, Keith. But yeah, seeing the old, um, the old Escalator and the old M&S sign, I'm Mark Spencer's and whatever, and... And uh, my, uh, Justin, my son, he put on there, not a chav in sight, even. <laughs> and that was funny. That just shows you how different fashions were in, in 1982. Definitely. And, but not only that, the other thing to think about is how many people were in the town centre compared yeah. to what it is now. Yeah. You know. Everything's online now, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bustling yeah. place. Nobody shops anymore. Nobody no. buys any records anymore. Nobody. Yeah. You know, when you, when you get your... 
Was it number eight? Danger Games got yeah. number eight? Uh, yeah, number eight. Yeah, and you got that because people got off their backsides and went and bought it. Absolutely. Yeah. They weren't streaming it. They weren't no. clicking on it, which they're, hopefully they'll do now, by the way, and put yeah, it back really hope where so. it should yeah. be. But... Um, that's the thing. So, so you were successful at a time when people to hear your stuff really had to had to either wait for it, make radio, an effort, yeah, or get up and make the effort to go and do it. Mm. Yeah, which is a testament to how good the music is. That it's not forced upon somebody. It's yeah. you know, it people are making the effort to go and get it, and pe- and making the effort to come and see you on a Thursday night or, or wherever it is you're playing to come and hear your music live. Mm. And there's no better feeling. Then to know you're making a difference, I guess, if you if you yeah. know that people are. I learned when I was when I was nineteen, when I was with Glider, I learned a big lesson about, you know, you, know, you you've you've mentioned about how approachable you know some of the some of these guys are. Definitely, yeah. I tell you a little story, and it's really changed. It really sort of stuck with me. Um, I had to go up to the IBC studios to do some vocal overdubs on the Glider album in nineteen seventy five. And your brother Gareth, who was, was uh, also in Glider, that, yeah. and he he was up there to do some um, guitar work, mm. right? And our appointment, we had the studio booked all day from ten o'clock in the morning. I woke up in the morning, put the radio on, and the Osmonds were being interviewed, a live interview from Radio One. Now, the Osmonds were huge, oh, yeah, massive yeah, yeah. in nineteen seventy-five. Yeah, and um, anyway. Um, I got up, got ready, got on the train, went down to London. As we got to um, the studio in Portland Place, Place, it's literally 200 yards opposite the BBC studios. There were police everywhere, like police in coaches. There's thousands of girls there, fans, because they were waiting for the Osmonds to come out of the... The the, um, the BBC studio, you know, studios, and we've gone into our IBC studios, walked up the stairs, gone into the control room, and the Osmonds are sitting in our control room, in the studio that we booked. Okay. And we walked in, and and the guy said, "Look, we're really sorry, but the Osmonds are on top of the pops tomorrow, so they've got to re-record their backing track because that's what you had to do in those days. Okay. You couldn't just go up on top of the pops and mine." No. You had to re-record your backing track. So yeah. if you've got a 40-piece orchestra playing, okay. you've got to use a 40-piece orchestra, otherwise yeah. your musicians don't earn the money they should yeah, be earning. Yeah. So IBC Studios was one of the few studios that they could fit a 40-piece orchestra in. So there's me and Gareth standing there, and there's all the Osmonds saying, yeah, we're really sorry. Including Marie. Yeah, yeah we're, 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 we're really sorry, you know, but it, there, there was no way that we could let you know and because you'd already left pre mobile phones. Yeah, there's no mobile phones yeah, in of those course, days. Yeah. You know. Anyway, but they said you're welcome to stay if you want to watch us working. So I thought, well, yeah, I yeah. I think I'll do this. I'll watch them work. And I went down into the kitchen. They had a tiny little kitchen in the studio. And I walked in there and there's Donny Osmond standing there. And he went, hi. And I went, hi. And he went, my name's Donny. And I sort of looked at him and I went, yeah, I know. And he, I went, yeah, my name's Andy. And he, he said, he said, I'm making coffee for all my brothers. He said, and I'm going to do some toasted tuna fish sandwiches. Would you like one? Mm. So Donny Osmond, one, like, one of the biggest stars in the world, I was with him for like 20 minutes in the kitchen and he made me a cup of coffee mm. and a toasted tuna fish sandwich. And that really taught me a lesson about fame because, mm. you know, they're real. if you're a genuine person, that's really important because if, if you're famous and somebody meets you and you're not nice to that person, yeah. they will tell everyone in their life forever what an horrible person you are. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That, and that is true. And that really taught me a lesson, you know, always be nice to people oh, yeah. when you do a gig. And Paul Eggholm was absolutely the, the yeah. master of that, mm. the master of it. He would stand there for ages and ages talking to people. But you give a bit of yourself, you see. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, to them, or, or to you, it's five minutes of your time. Yeah. But You're to right. them... Exactly. It's, it's a big memory. It's their life. Yeah. yeah. You know, as I, mean, I remember seeing, uh, I think it was Brian Conley in pantomime, and mm. he got a kid up and did... And he said, for me, it's five minutes, but for, they'll remember that for the rest of their they life. Will. Yeah. And that's the secret. And I've always found, I don't know if it's been similar for, for you, that some of the people who were one-hit wonders 
were harder to get to know and harder to talk to than the ones who were legends, who they kind of know who they are. So Donny yeah. Osmond making you a tuna fish sandwich yeah. or something is because he knows who he is. Yeah. yeah. And the ones who have tasted it for a little bit seem to be more bitter. I mean, when we've played the Buckley Circuit, happen, yeah. we've worked with a lot of the people from the 80s who were, you know, maybe one, one single, not even an yeah. album. And they've been harder to get on with than Jerry Marsden and people like that when we've worked yeah. with Swinging Blue Jeans and just normal blokes. Mm. But those guys you have know. been doing it for like 40 years. Yeah, yeah, so there's nothing you can really tell them about the, about the business. And it's, I mean, do you know, who was that band that we, we, we done a gig at the College of Food and Technology with Glider and we had a support band called the Fabulous, Fabulous Poodles. Fabulous Poodles. That, this band... Who I now follow on Facebook. Wow. This they, band, they were, they were our support right. band. The lead singer looked like Clark Gable. He's right. still playing. That's Bobby Valentino. He's a fiddle player. He's a fiddle player. From still going. And he played uh, he on the were, Bluebells song, yeah. They were absolutely incredible, this band. And <laughs> we think, we've got to go and follow this. Yeah. You know, and like... They that, were that, you, you had to hand it to them. Yeah. But they're, they're they, actually, the end of their act was, um, uh, they did um, uh, a song by The Who, probably My Generation, on the ukulele, which he then <sighs> ritually smashed up at the end. That's, that's different. You, very tough act to follow. They were funny as heck, weren't they? Yeah, so they were really funny. But you just and go brilliant. on and you do what you yeah, do. We just you're did different. And yeah. You, and you've got the energy Actually, to go you mentioned the band on your last podcast. It just reminded me, um, After the Fire. After the Fire, Well, I knew yeah. a bit. Yeah. I knew them a bit because I used to play, when I wasn't playing with Glider, I played on the Christian rock circuit as a jobbing bass player with lots okay. of different gospel artists. And um, they were a, a kind of Christian rock band who okay. crossed over into the mainstream. Um, that's all I knew about them. And they yeah. were good as well. But yeah. we actually supported them on their very last gig at the Dominion Theatre in Tottenham Court Road. Oh, they just come back from a tour of the States supporting um, some big heavy metal band. Uh, might have been the guys who did Jump. Oh, Van Halen. Van Halen. Yeah, supporting Van Halen. Um, but basically they couldn't get a, a deal re-signed. And so this, they said, this is basically our last gig. And there were tears backstage. They were broken up about it. They didn't really want to finish, but there was nowhere to go. Yeah. And they said also, they said, um, Van Halen's brought out the single, which sounds just like our keyboard parts. And they felt like they'd been lifted from them. And we were the support band for them. That was their last ever gig, I think. So that's proud, proudest moments. Yeah. Any any regrets, really? Did you, are you happy with yeah. what, what we did? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I regretted the, the end. Uh, I regretted the end of the Pinkies. Cause yeah, I did. Just put so much energy into it. And... It was just unfortunate the way it ended, you know. Is there any truth in the fact that Paul formed the Perkies and then played a few shows no. with his own stuff? Good gig. It's good, good name, gig, isn't it? Yeah, I wondered. I thought, <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to hear it from the horse's okay. mouth on this one. No. Do you know, the last time I saw Paul play was um, because he did actually get back in touch with us, do you remember? And with an idea of just maybe doing a couple of songs uh, for some yeah, reason. We were, we were considering doing a one-off gig. Yeah. Like for charity. Not long before yeah. he passed away. Yeah. But unfortunately, he, he'd actually had a cycling accident. Yeah. He, he, he used he to ride a bicycle a and he got... He, got mm. he fell off his bike and he... Oh, he was knocked he, off. Yeah, he was knocked off his bike. For, and um, he had a brain tumour about two weeks after, didn't he? Oh, yeah. A little longer than that. I think it was about two months after. Was it? But anyway, he passed away like that. He was gone. But I'd, in the interim... And he was chatting about maybe doing a one-off gig, which never happened, of course, because mm. he passed away sadly. Mm. And um, I mean, he, he was in the interim, I went to the, the music shop he he worked at, where he was a luthier yeah. and guitar maker in um, something farm. Barleylands. Barleylands, yeah. yeah. And I took my youngest daughter, who wanted to buy a tenor ukulele. And so I said, well, Paul works in the music shop. So we went in there. He'd never met my daughter before. She'd have been about 14, 13 or 14. And uh, anyway, set this um, ukulele up for her perfectly because he was a genius. Mm. And he said, oh, and she said, you were in the Pinkies with my dad. He said, yes, I was. He picked up the nearest guitar and gave her a quick rendition of about three of our songs in the shop. All the hairs on the back of my arm stood I'm up. sure, yeah. And uh, yeah. George said, he's very good, isn't he? And that's the last time I saw him. It's sad uh, because yeah. I... Uh, so I saw him singing, then we parted. I've, I've... I mean... I've, Way before, when it used to be M&J's Music in the Town, I know that yeah. they, I think they sort of took over the shop at Barleylands for a while yeah, and it was brought yeah. out. And I used to know them really well, but I had no, I didn't make the association that Paul was there. Yeah. Because he did guitar one of, workshops, I didn't to yeah, teach people how to build to, guitars. Yeah, to build them, yeah, yeah that yeah. was him. Because he went to and the London School of Furniture. Yeah. 
Right. He, he did the proper apprenticeship. He'd he done the proper training. Because I wanted to meet you all a few years ago when I bought probably five, six, when I was doing the original interviews, I thought, I want to get, it was my, you know, come on, think what you want, but it was my ambition to get the five of you in a room yeah. and to talk to you as a band. Because for me, as I said to you, and it's true, no word of a lie, it was important to me come to see you in the town all those years ago. Yeah. Influential And I thought we'd really, cool. yeah, because, you know, as I said, I came along a little bit after you. Yeah, and but but being eight ten years old and people talking about the the pinkies and, and the pesh mode and uh, the screaming abdabs, which was yeah. Alison Moyer, yeah. and uh, I don't know what that's about. I don't know what they did, um, but also people like uh, Marlowe. Was it Rob Marlowe? Rob Allen was Marlowe. Did I don't you remember did, that. Do you not remember no, that? No, no, he, no, he was one that sort of came up now and again in conversation. And obviously, um, Vince Clark and, course, yeah. and uh, Yazoo with Alison yeah. Moyer. Um, there's a, a couple of others as well, as I said, the Burglar Bill, there's another one as well, and it, you know, I can't think what it was. It's it must, a band that, must be this beer you bought me, Andy, it's just <laughs> really, making me forget stuff. This, um, forgetting bit. There it was is. a band called Street. Street. They were really good. Keith. Who was Bob Mundy with then? Bob Mundy was with Granny Grunt. Granny they were signed Grunt. to DJM Music. Okay. Dick James. Dick James. Dick James, Dick James is, was the luckiest man in the music industry of all time. Can I tell you this story? Go on, yeah. Dick James was the guy that sung Robin Hood, Robin Hood, oh, riding, riding through, through the glen. glen. That song. If you're of a certain age, you'll know that song. I know, yeah. yeah. And um, he, he made quite a bit of money out of that. And he said to one of his friends <laughs> in the music industry, he said, um, how do I get into the music business? And he said, well, you need money for a start. He said, well, well, I, I don't really know what I want to do. And the guy said, why don't you try a bit of music publishing? Ah, hmm. oh, yeah. Right? Dick so Dick James set himself up as a music publicist and about two weeks after setting up his his um, company, a guy come along and said, um, look, I've got this band and I, I can get them a deal with EMI. He said, but... Um, I need a publishing deal. I need their songs published. And he said, "Well, what are the song? Uh, now, what are the band called?" He said, "Well, they're called the Beatles." <laughs> so Dick James got the Beatles, and it became Northern Songs. Yeah. If you look on any Beatles yeah, record, songs, it's got yes. Northern Songs. Yeah. That's Dick James. Never look yeah. back. And he made so much money in the in the next five years after the Beatles started as a music publisher. His tax advisors told him to. Um, to lose some money, so he decided to form a record company called DJM, and he decided to find the most unlikely pop star that he could find <laughs> to lose. Not, to lose. Not around that it's time. like the producers. No, no, no it's <laughs> an ab absolutely true story. He decided that he would sign someone who was the most unlikely pop star that he could find and spend loads of money on him and lose money, so he didn't have to pay so much tax. And he found a little guy, a short guy with glasses who played piano called Elton John and he signed Elton John. <laughs> it so all went wrong again. It all it went all, it all wrong happened. again. It's all gone. <laughs> this, the luckiest man that ever walked on this planet it's is some, Dick Jones. Yeah, some people. It just falls into their lap, doesn't it? Wow. Incredible. Um, so tell me about, at the end of the Pinkies, how many years was it before you decided you, you wanted to do it again? Or did you sort of do something between the Pinkies and... Uh, the Beat Patrol, or was it just something that you fell back into? I, I'd done about five years doing solo stuff, singing other songs, just oh, with DJ backing tracks. Well, you said you did some yeah, DJ. and I'd done DJing. Yeah. And then I got fed up with that and I decided to get a band together. And I had, um, I got a band called The Grandees. Yeah, I know. The Grandees. Yeah, yeah. Stu Mills on bass, Dave Engel on drums. Drummer from Glider. Yeah, drummer from yeah, Glider. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Steve Jolly, do you know Steve Jolly? You must know Steve uh, Jolly. He, he owns what? He used to own that music shop, didn't he? He did. I don't know. But the thing about Steve Jolly, he's such a fantastic musician. I felt out of my depth as soon as I started <laughs> using him. I'm thinking, Jesus, you <laughs> know, I'm on. gonna. As long as you do your job, you haven't got yeah, that flair yeah. and balls, have you? No. You just got to do your job. But um, yeah, and they were called the Grandees. Yeah. And we'd done that for about two years, but I'm very. When I'm on stage, if people are dancing, I'll just shout out, "Do another solo! Yeah, yeah. Do another solo! Do another solo!" <laughs> and Steve, but Steve couldn't handle that. He used to do his head in, because he's such a perfectionist. Yeah, you know. And because I said to him, I said, "Steve, I'm going to tell you now. Before we start doing gigs, I will drive you crazy," <laughs> because I know that he was such a serious musician. Yeah, you know. And um, anyway, that lasted for about two years. 
and then that finished and then I decided to form the Beat Patrol but not do any of the songs I was doing with the Grandies. They're all covers, with all yeah, covers. Yeah. You know, like from the 50s, 60s. Yeah, all our favourite old songs. Yeah, all our favourite old songs. And, and that's been going for about three years now, the Beat yeah. Patrol. Neville's just left that. us. Mm. I'm first reserve, though. Yeah. And I'm playing a gig with you on Saturday night, don't forget. Ready yeah, yeah, a special in. guest. A special yeah, guest. We are I've doing. got my congas out of retirement. <laughs> yes, he's got his congas. Who <laughs> made from? It's not, at least you're still out Yeah, we still do it, like I, you know. We, I'll, I'm never going to stop. No. You know, I mean, it's my birthday on Saturday and I'm 67 on Saturday. You know, he'd pass most, for 66, wouldn't he? Though? He went easily in a, in a good light. Yeah, in, in a good, good light, light. yeah. yeah I, could go, I could pass as 66. <laughs> but um, you no, so I've uh, got a gig. Got a gig. First yeah. time I've ever done a gig on my birthday. First time I've ever worked on my birthday. I normally always like to be abroad on my birthday. I like to go well, on a holiday. That's about oh, um, obviously at the moment it's not even worth thinking about. So. No, it's 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 all a bit mad. But at least the phone's ringing again. At least some of the some of yeah. the gigs are coming in again. Yeah, but the the only problem is you're only going to get one gig from certain clubs because yeah. I can understand like um, perfect example like the the Van Jim Pitsy. Yeah, we you know we'd normally get three or four gigs a year. Mm. You know, um, as soon as the gig started again, you know. They, they told us you can only have one gig this year because we've got other bands, we've got to give them a gig as well. And I, and I understand that. You of know. course, it's how it works. Everyone's got to have a bite of the pie, yeah, haven't they? we get that. It's not, it used, used to be that you know people come up to you and go, one of the best bands we have down here, and they give mm. you four. And then yeah. it became three, and then it became two. Yeah. And then you get a club that shuts down the road and all their members join and want to bring some of the bands that yeah. they had down there. But the main thing is it, it doesn't really matter where you're playing, it only matters that you're playing. Yes. Yeah. And what you take from it, and if you're still loving doing it, like you know, as I said, I've done 30 years, and and I hope to get another 25, 30 years out of it. Absolutely. And to enjoy. Well, you should do. Being on stage, is the best place for me to be. No yeah. one can, you know, my yeah, ex-wife. For me, can't that's my happy me. place too. Yeah. No, nobody can give me a summons. Nobody can give me a bill. <laughs> nobody can ring me. My ex-wife can't hassle me about anything. I'm on, you know, I'm, I'm on stage for two and a half hours, and. Um, and I'm the centre of attention to a certain extent, and, and we're there responsible are... for people going unhappy. Yes. Exactly. I must tell you this one story. It, I mean, I've got hundreds of stories, I know, obviously, we'll have to do but, and, these. but these are only the ones I can remember. Yeah. You, you want Paul Reynolds in here because he can remember everything, can't he? I'll have Neville and Paul next time. Yeah, have Neville and yeah, Paul next we'll time. We'll tell you how it goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Andy. I, I was I was doing a solo gig in in a club in Dartford, and it was a really long, narrow bar really long and the stage is up one end so I set my gear up and this is on a Saturday night not a single person in there no one so I'm supposed to be starting at half past eight so I said to the guy behind the bar look there's no point in me starting until people come in and he went no I totally accept that anyway sit, sitting there for about 15 minutes and this little old couple came in and they they looked at me and they got their drinks and they walked to the complete opposite end of the bar <laughs> complete and I'm talking about 50 yards it was a really long narrow bar anyway I thought there's someone in there so I start I start singing and after the song this little old man right at the end he went <laughs> like that and it was echoing all the way down the bar <laughs> right anyway done the next song and he's gone <laughs> like that and then after the third or fourth song, it started to really get on my nerves. Even because I'd it, they didn't clap. No, bear in mind, there's only two people in there. Yeah, it sounds Anyway, I, I'd done yeah. about 25 minutes and I thought I'd have a break because there's still no one come in. So I walked down to him. It's absolutely true. I walked down to him and I said, look, I really appreciate you clapping, but you don't have to clap, honestly, don't worry. Mm. And she turned around to me and she said... Oh, don't take no notice of him. He was born deaf. He's just watching when you finish singing. He's being polite. And, and, and I think I've got two people in an audience and one of them can't even hear me anyway. He was just being polite. Now, that takes some beating. Yeah, it does. It does. And, Especially and in the end, the I half, finished though. at 10 o'clock and just took half the money because I wanted to get home. Yeah, it's, it can be a lonely place. But for hearing them, that was a own, nice out, Andy. Yeah. Well, when you're hearing your own footsteps between songs as well, you know, it just thanks yeah. very And you're breathing. Finish. Yeah, and you're breathing. Oh, it it happens to everyone. It, it does, happens. yeah. It's the loneliest place in the world to be. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I've, I've done shows where it was a Valentine's night and it was a Saturday night. 
Valentine's night and Saturday night, and I was going to go out. They're all out with their missus, all of course. And um, you ever had that? You must have had that where you're playing in an empty bar and the other bar through the other side is rammed. Yes. Like yeah. Chalvenham was a bit like that. You play, you play in a big hall and you yeah. look through and the other bar was packed and no one was coming through. I mean, maybe it was just me, but... I, I don't, yeah, I'd done a solo gig. So I can't remember where it was. And it was um, a really unusual shaped bar. Basically, if you imagine going up to one of the corners, there was a wall. OK. Going right, almost right the way across... And it, it, there was a, about a, a yard gap, and then that's where the bar was. And they told me, I've got to set up there. So I was setting up against the wall, just looking at the bar, and no one could see me. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah they set you up facing there. And the audience have, have had yeah, Some venues have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew it was over for, for wall to wall when they, they decided to keep the pool table where it was yeah. and put our stage where the pool table would normally yeah. go. That's and the then you think, that's it, oh, it's over I, now. They I have one rule. When I'm performing, I will not have a TV on behind oh, me no, no. on the stage. No. <laughs> if they can't turn the telly off, I won't. I won't. In the community centre for me, would you like to entertain on Sunday because the football's finished? I said, yeah, I'll come down and do a little show for you. And I thought, well, the football, women's football. Mm-hmm. Nothing against women's football, but this is 15 years ago. Yeah. And I said, so they put on, oh, the football's on, women's football. Or at uh, what used to be Quilters and is now but whatever you'd stand there and then the football in Wickford above you mm. um, Billericay Quilters Billericay yeah oh, I know yeah yeah uh, Fraser's was Wickford and then uh, was the Dickens originally that's another one I've talked to you ever play the Dickens in Wickford uh, I don't think so they're on the corner there no, was, never did no and, and you play and then above you was the screen so you're playing to everybody who's looking above you yeah I won't and I, in the end, I said, no. like, do us a favour. Can every you level. put the football on at off. the other end? It's just so rude. And it's you're playing rude, to the yeah. back of people's heads. It's so that's rude. rude. Yeah. They don't get it. No. You know, you, you've got to... That's why it's nice when you work for an agent or a venue that kind of knows how... The landlord who gets it. They're the yeah, people you want, isn't it? Knows what you want. You know, you, you're not walking in and trying to be treated like stars. You're not going, no, look, I'm Andy. You just want a bit of respect, don't you? You know yeah. what I mean? You don't want you don't want a TV on behind you. I mean, I wouldn't do that. No, I can't. In the end, I, I just said In no, between the Pinkies and Beat Patron, I had a 10-year residency in Brentwood uh, and the Essex Arms. Oh, I mean, that's long, didn't you? Have go home? No, they never sacked Pam, me. Was that Pam's bar? Pam's bar, yeah. Yeah, the Essex Arms. Pam, Pam was the um, landlady. Yeah. And... Um, and her husband, I'll remember in a minute, Mick, Mick the landlord, and Pam. Um, and they were just so into the music, so into the music. And, uh, yeah, we again, we built up, we were called um, Roots Review. We okay. played, like, rootsy kind of music and a lot of original stuff as well. And uh, we did a good ten years there. And, again, same, it just built and built and built. And in the end, you could never get in there. It was like, it, the capacity was only 120 people, but we would fill it every, that was a Thursday night. Yeah. Thursday night. People, and it, yeah, just catch Word of mouth. Stuff. And uh, those those gigs are so hard to find. Well, the thing is now, to be honest, there's a lot of pubs that can't have bands because of of their licence. Yeah, of course. And the sort of venues, which is really important that you're talking about the old venues Mm. that have died because Mm. there's a real shortage of venues now for for people to play. It's mainly social clubs Mm. are the future of bands at the moment because most pubs can't have bands. No, they can't. And, and, And society has changed. With the, with the mobile phones and the and the what I like to call the unsmackables. I don't know mm. if I'm allowed to say that or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. Was the people that yeah. they're, they're 16 and I think they have got rights. Mm-hmm. And it's not that these are the people that my daughter tells me. As I said to you, we chatted in the break. I've got a daughter of 14, and she said I really want to sort of do get do something in music. But she said, I don't know if I want to perform or not. And I said, Oh no, no, mm-hmm. just I I sing so you don't have to, Jennifer. You know that's yeah. it. Because the end the, the sort of audience that you're going to have to entertain. 10 or 15 years from now who don't care they behave like they're on their patio mm. they don't even behave like they're at a gig and, and no. you, you guys had what I had at the end of which yeah. was people actually coming out to see a band yeah. and actually coming out to enjoy it and they might go and buy your album yeah, the culture's might. gone there it is it's a different it's not, that's not to knock the next generation but no. I'm, I'm a bit of a misery when it comes to stuff like that if I'm honest because I don't want to be called geese all night I don't want somebody saying, "Can I get up there and do a bit of rap?" Yeah, that's that's another. Can thing. we get up and sing with you? Yeah, this is a great. What's the great thing about COVID now? Yeah. Is you say, "I can't <laughs> let you," because you say, "I can't let you get up." I've got COVID, yeah. and that's it. No one wants to get up and sing with you. But um, that's the, that's you, a big. You must get there. that. Can I get up and sing a song with you? Um, only when I was doing solo stuff, and yeah. I, and and I'd be quite 
honest about it and tell them in a very blunt way, this is not karaoke, mate. No. You know. I always used to say, oh, I've got to insure all the stuff and I can't if anybody else uses it. I I'd, say, I'd, I'd say that karaoke's on a Thursday night, mate. Bring, bring your daughter down Thursday night. <laughs> He's fiery, isn't he? He's he fiery. Is. And he is fiery. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. In a way that I'm not. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to say, you know, exactly yeah, you what you think. You were fiery watching Paul McCartney the O2, weren't you? I was at the same concert, but I didn't know you were there. Yeah. You had a couple in front of you who had to tell to be quiet a couple yeah, of times. I did. And on the third time, you were going to hoik them out. No, that was um, the Eagles. I was the Eagles. The Eagles. Yeah, yeah I was. Yeah, me and my wife went to watch the Eagles at the O2. During the quiet home. And they were bits. fantastic. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you yeah, know, they, they started off with three of them on a sofa. And I had two um, two Jam. ladies sitting next to me, Chinese ladies. And they did not stop talking. Oh, there's nothing Very worse. Very loud. Right? And, nothing worse. And, 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 and the, bear in mind that the guys, the Eagles, weren't playing music. They were talking to the audience. And I couldn't hear it. No. And I'll tell you the story off... Yeah. I wonder why people even go sometimes. You do yeah. wonder. Because you, I mean, how was it when you saw Paul McCartney? How was it for you? Because for me, oh, it was the best emotional experience. So I've seen Paul McCartney twice. I saw him at the Rainbow in mm. about 1978. Right. And it's the best finale I've ever seen in my life. And he played for about two and a half, three hours. No break. No. And then he walked off. And he came back and he'd done a couple more songs and he walked off again. It was at the Rainbow, Rainbow Theatre. Mm. And um, the crowd just wouldn't stop. I've never seen it for about 10 minutes, more, 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 non-stop. And he walked out with an acoustic guitar over his shoulder and he just went up to the microphone and sang Yesterday. Yeah. And for me, that's the pinnacle of my life, watching a band. Because mm. yeah. for me, that was just incredible. Yeah, Even I, now, I get sort of goosebumps yeah. about things. Like I found that. it emotional. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Cause Were you it, at the O2? No, I saw, I saw him at Earl's Court. Cool. And I, I, I'd um, been to a football in the afternoon, took mm. my wife to see Chelsea. I didn't want yeah. to go. But, and, um, yeah, I went to see him, and, and he comes out, and, and I thought, yeah, that's Paul McCartney. And then he did um, The Long and Winding Road, I think. Yeah. And I just remember being, you know, probably five, six years old, playing my dad's old 45s. Yeah, absolutely. Like the old Beatles albums, you know, help, you know. It's just the, the catalogue is incredible. It is incredible. And but the only thing, he tries to sing it in the same key it? now, and yeah. he should, Yeah. as a musician, Yeah. I'm going to tell you That's now, Paul McCartney, floor, yeah. you should... <laughs> if he's listening... You, yeah, if so you're listening, Paul, just least, drop the key down a little yeah, bit, At mate. least detune the guitars half a step yeah. or something, yeah. I, I must admit. Yeah, he does insist on playing all in the original, in the original keys, key. You yeah. can't do it. I mean, no. what, he's coming on for about 80 now, isn't he? Do you find, because, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I, I'm kind of in the middle, if I'm honest. I've got a few years on you. But do you find that you can't get what you used to get in terms of your vocal? Oh, what, vocally? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, you know, like, I have to choose the key that I sing the songs in. Hmm. You know, I mean, I used to be able to do loads of falsetto stuff. I can't do that now. But I was, believe it or not, I was a singer. I was a really heavy smoker. I mean, I, I when I gave up smoking about twenty five years ago, I was on about sixty fags a day. I was a real heavy mm, smoker, yeah, you know. And how I even sung, I don't know really. When I think about it, yeah, but you're young. You just do. Yeah, you're just young. You, just you don't think about it. it you no, don't. you don't. You don't. Yeah. You just, it's you're just brave, aren't you? You just fearless, yeah. fearless. It is, yeah. and you think you're you immortal. Know. Yeah, yeah, of course. I was ch chatting to somebody the other day, and I said, my mate said to me, he said, I've, I've never met anybody so resilient in terms of how you can find the voice on days when it isn't there with a yeah. flu or whatever. And I haven't got that now. Mm. Whether I was just older and wiser, or maybe, you know, you, I'm not as fearless as I was. I've never cancelled a gig for No, no, this. me neither. No. Never. You just go and do it and you just go and do it. Through and, yeah. You know, and, and, and yeah, that can be a bit tricky, but um, it's. Fellas, it, it's as re has really been. Uh, a pleasure for me to meet you, and it's and nice for us to meet you and chat about things like so this. Welcome. To finally talk some to music, and and uh, of course I wish you well with the uh, remixes, which I'm going to go in. I'm going to make a cup of tea, and yeah, I'm going to put do. that on. Um, and I hope that it uh, that you finally get the recognition that you clearly deserve. Certainly from my corner of the world, you made a difference to me when I was a kid. And I'm going to tell you that to your face. I can't see you and. Uh, I can't say I played guitar because of you, but I remember thinking how cool it must be to play a show. Dropped a scene in your center. mind. Yeah. And years later, when it appeared on YouTube, I thought, 
I was there. Yeah. I was there for that. And I finally met you. And it's been a pleasure. You've signed my album. You've given me a couple of exclusives. Um, and I cannot thank you enough. And I wish you all the best with uh, your projects that you're doing, Beat Patrol. Thank you. And, and I really do hope that we meet again. And I may even, if I get a chance, I'll certainly come and see you. In your yeah, projects. come down and see us. That's That'd Andy Price and Neville Kiddia from The Pinkies. Thank you for listening. I will be back uh, next week. Hopefully with Phil Burdett, um, but we'll see how that goes. If not, it'll just be me rabbiting away for 45 minutes. But I look forward to your company then. Thank you very much for listening in. You take care. Don't forget www.innovationstudios.com. You can send me an email at innovationstudios.uk at gmail. Um, and you can find me on Skype and all that old showbiz stuff. Have a look. Um, take care of yourselves. Yours in music, signing off. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>